Reports were moving on from causation of fact with the but-for test to proximate cause. When proximate cause, the thing to note is that it's arbitrary, and that means that's random. It's arbitrary in where we draw the line of the limits that we hold against a defendant, uh, where we hold them accountable for negligent actions. And so the cases that we're going to be talking about today and over the next several classes is going to be how the courts have decided where to draw that line. Proximate cause, as a definition, can simply just be said, damage was directly traceable to the negligent act. So damage traceable to the act. And we begin with talking about unforeseeable consequences, and that's where an injury occurred, but the injury was not foreseen, or rather, we weren't expecting that kind of injury to occur, and what the court has said about holding those people accountable. We start with Ryan, and what happened here is that a railroad had accidentally, well, not accidentally, negligently, lit its wood shed on fire, and this caused it to burn up, and it burned the neighbor's house down and also burned several other houses. Here, the defendant actually wasn't liable, and it's because the court said these actions were too remote. Note this was in New York, and New York had a very strong tie to the railroad companies there, and they did not want to hold the railroad companies negligent. So they said it was too remote because so many other things that could have occurred that caused the fire to act the way that it did, including the heat of the flames, the atmosphere outside, and and things like that. But ultimately, it's going to come into policy considerations. The legislature here didn't want to hold the railroad company liable. So the policy considerations that they made is that the plaintiff is supposed to be reliable for their own property, the plaintiff is reliable for getting insurance, and finally, that the railroad should not be liable for countless people who could have a potential claim if the court finds them liable, meaning person's A, house burned down, person B's received damage, person C received lesser damage, person D's house burned down all the way to Z, it's like, where do we draw the line? And the courts say, we don't want to draw this line, so we're not going to draw this line. We're not going to hold them accountable. The legislator after this actually said that the first person who received the damage directly adjacent can hold them liable, but other than that, it's a no-go. We actually see this in contrast to Kansas, where Kansas, four miles away, a lot more remote than the next-door neighbor, was able to hold the railroad company liable for an injury that occurred to their property. Our next case was Bartolone. What happened here is that there was a plaintiff. Prior to this accident, uh, he had a pre-existing condition of schizophrenia, but it was minor. Uh, He didn't have any troubles living a normal daily life. Uh, He would work out for hours a day. He would sculpt. He would paint. He uh, enjoyed doing all these things. And um, after this car accident, his schizophrenia occurred, 
and well, it was aggressed to a point where he didn't do any of those things anymore. And so what the court says here is that a person should be liable and take the defendant, well, take the plaintiff as they have them. And what that means is the defendant did not know that he had aggravated the schizophrenia, made it worse to her that was the case, or that he was a, a fragile person in that sense. But regardless of his psyche, the defendant was going to be liable to him. And this is actually called the eggshell school rule. The eggshell school rule is a person who has a relatively thin skull. It's easy to damage the skull. And the defendant wouldn't know that he had damaged the skull. But the defendant is still going to be held liable for that apparent physical uh, weakness, so to speak. And so if an injury occurred through the negligence, the defendant will be liable for the extent of that injury, whether uh, it was to a person with a... Uh, thin skull, or if it's a person with aggravated conditions of schizophrenia, if it's going to be a person who's less well-off or a person who's more well-off, the damage that occurred is going to be what the def- what the defendant will be liable for. Next, we have polemus. What happened here is that there was an explosion on a ship. Uh, the defendant were chartering the ship. Uh, the plaintiff is the owner. The defendants were carrying some planks and negligently dropped the plank, which caused a spark, and the cargo that they were ha- hauling uh, was some petrol oil, and the fumes that from that, the spark caught it, and there was an explosion that occurred. What the courts say in this case is that the foreseeability of the explosion doesn't matter. The person can be held liable. Because the defense that was made was, well, we may have been negligent. We may have caused a dent in the boat. We may have dropped the plank on a person. We may have damaged the cargo. But we were not expecting a fire to happen. And so that's the defense that is being made by the defendant is that in order to find us liable, you need to match both what's the foreseeable risk and what actually occurred. And if those things don't match, you can't hold us liable. That's the defendant's argument. The court here rejects that argument saying, no, you knew there was a risk and an injury or a damage did occur from that negligent act and so you can be held liable for any consequence that occurs regardless of the foreseeability of that consequence so here's how we're going to do the analysis for polemus first you're going to determine if there was negligence how do you determine if there was negligence you're going to ask was there any kind of damage at all that was foreseeable meaning if you drop the plank is a dent going to happen? Is Could somebody possibly be hurt? Could it damage the cargo? All those things, 
there is an incident, there is a foreseeable risk that could occur, and so a negligent action means that they can be held liable for those risks. Second, we're going to determine if there was an injury. Here, there was an injury. The boat exploded. And so the owners can collect on that. And what the court says in Polaris is that the foreseeability of the consequence is immaterial. It doesn't matter. And what that really just means is we don't care whether the risk was supposed to be a dent in the boat or if it was a fire that occurred. It, it, it doesn't matter at all. You can just be held liable for the damages that happen. Contrast this to Mort's dock. And this is wagon mount number one. What happened here is that there was... Mort's dock owns a place where uh, ships can come and build ships or repair ships. And then they would drift back out to sea. So he owns this place, or rather they own this place... They're conducting repairs, and as the ship is waiting to come in, they tip some oil into the water and cause some damage, not a lot, causes some damage into the surrounding area as the, wa- as the oil is drifting around in the water. The, the, uh, the plaintiff here didn't sue for that. It's because the damage was minor. I just got on their stuff, got on their dock, they may not have liked that, but it wasn't going to be enough to go to court over. But later, what ended up happening was as Mort's stock was working, you know, they do repairs. They're working with welds, and and they're uh, working with a lot of fire to cause repairs. They're drifting along the water was a, some cotton waste, and by happenstance, a piece of metal that was hot dropped from the plaintiff's work area and onto the cotton ball, and it caused a fire. And the oil lit and burned down the dock. And so the plaintiff sued, saying, well, you shouldn't have let the oil get out of the place in the first place. So the court said, in this case, unlike Polaris, and in fact, they distinctly said, no, we're not going to follow Polaris. Polemis, sorry, not Polaris, Polemis. We're not going to follow Polemis. We're going to create our own thing, and we're going to say and that the risk, the foreseeable risk, must align with the foreseeable consequence. And so our analysis that we did for polemis is going to be different. Uh, the first step is going to be the same. First, we're going to determine if there was negligence. And to do that, we're going to say, was there any foreseeable risk at all? In this case, yes, there was a foreseeable risk. You can say that the oil would get out it would get in the it would cause damage to the dogs it would stick to the boats it would cause issues to the wildlife and uh, people could 
um, have issues with oil that are just floating around. So there is a foreseeable risk. And so there was negligence in pouring it out. But we need to determine if the there was foreseeable if the there was a foreseeable consequence and they need to line up. Well, the foreseeable consequence that occurred here was a fire. The foreseeable risk, or rather the risk before that was foreseeable, was just oil damage. No fire was foreseeable in this case. And so, polemus doesn't apply. But the court here says that the actual damage must align. And if it does align, then a jury can be able to consider the issue. It doesn't guarantee that the plaintiff is going to win. It just says if there's a match, then the jury gets to hear the case. The restatement third of torts, section 29, actually says this really straightforward. It says an actor's liability is is limited to the harms that result from the risks that are made from the actor's conduct. What that is just saying is liability is going to make sure that the foreseeable risk and the actual consequence lines up. If a foreseeable risk is a fire and a fire occurs, then there will be liability. If the foreseeable risk was oil damage and a fire occurs, they don't line up and there's no liability. We will continue talking about this tomorrow, finishing up unforeseeable consequences. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.